You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our hope every single week to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it. People who have lived there, grown up there, been affected in their heart of hearts by what small town community and small town church is, and people who are uh, absolutely content and excited to do God's work in small out-of-the-way places. Uh, We hope that if you're tuning in as a pastor or a lay leader or a Sunday school teacher or some form of volunteer that you would find today... Uh, encouragement, challenge, and wisdom as you minister, you know, in in, in these important and amazing places. And so uh, as we do every week, uh, you know, we have special guests on here, and I'm excited to introduce ours in a second, but I'm excited for the direction of the conversation today. Um, We're going to be speaking with Pastor Rebecca Burford, and she has quite a story involving uh, just kind of her heart for people with special needs and some awesome practical rural wisdom that she's picked up. And so we're going to dive into that today, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm your host, Joe Epley. And uh, to start out, I just want to say, Pastor Rebecca, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Thank you. Well, good. We're excited to have you here. You know, I I, I promise you that uh, out of all the topics that we could have talked about, um, your, our conversation that we had over the phone about people with special needs, it just hit me to my core because I know for me as a rural pastor, it has been uh, one of the greatest challenges is to think through how do we go beyond um, kind of these classic approaches that we've all taken with with people with special needs. And so, um, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself because I just get so excited. But but uh, anyways, the first thing I want to do is what we do every single week is I just want you to help us maybe give uh, some context to your life. So can you tell us a little bit about your background in ministry and your connection to the rural church? Oh, sure. I was called in ministry. Uh, I went to one of those youth conferences. And basically from there, at age 12, I was all in. I wanted to be involved. Um, basically, my thought was if I could live at church. Oh, sure. That's my goal. <laughs> Just to nice. be there all the time. So started uh, with nursery to being like a janitor, just all sorts of things. So, and I learned that leaders lead by example. So nothing is beneath you because that's Jesus's example. So just living life and just doing every sort of thing is a way to serve. So just being in a, in about it with a serving heart. So, and um, my husband and I became associate pastors at a church called Harvest Church and a very rural, maybe about 6,000 people, but we nice. lived in the, the country and the church was very small, very agricultural community. And um, and we were there as associate pastors for five years. So we learned a lot. Um, basically, in the smaller churches, unlike the bigger churches, you practically do everything. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's it's real. There's so, just not that many staff to split out these jobs, so you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, for sure. Yes, for yes, for for sure. So, but it gave us a lot of insights on what it takes to run a church. So we appreciate the experience with that. And then in that church, we actually were able to go to answer the question about scalability. Um, we were able to go to conferences. Um, our expectation from our lead pastor was to just continue our education. He was very oh, nice. encouraging. 
encouraging on taking us to our next level and and um, helping us grow. And so we went to a lot of conferences, even out of state, um, one in Minnesota led by Rob Ketteling. Nice. And there we uh, learned um, a lot about scalability. Well, and I, I don't want to get, I don't want you to get ahead of it too far because I want us to maybe save that for later in the conversation. But um, I do want to, do want to hear, so you go from one church and uh, where'd you end up after you were associate pastors? So after we were associate pastors, when our when our lead pastor uh, felt that God was calling him to change positions, we also felt a nudging and a moving. And um, actually, a few months even before he gave his announcement, we were feeling the nudge. So when he transitioned out, we also took that as, yep, I think this is a good time for us also to to see where else God has for us. And so we were living in another area, so we decided to go to church, but it was also 2020, so church sure, was... Sure, sure, sure. Everything was pretty in flux, yeah. Yeah, it was like going to church wasn't like really going to church for us because everything was virtual. Sure. And so we were able to check into a bunch of different little churches, and and also we worked pretty good with the district at that time, letting them know our hearts, what we're praying for, and and partnering with them to pray and and also give us insights on anything that could open up. So after a few months of that, we met with the superintendent and he said, there's this other church that's looking for a lead pastor and they're actually needing some help. Would you step in and help this church possibly transition? Sure. Would you possibly be interested in that role? Or our philosophy was, Whatever comes our way, God, we are willing if nice. the door is, if, if it's to us, but if it's not, God shut the door. And so we were praying and we were in that transition to become lead pastors at this church, which was another rural church. Four months later, they decided on another candidate, which broke oh, our sure. heart, sure. but, but also God reminded us in those times that our hurtful or painful you just have to be thankful because god's ultimate best for us you know we were praying for the door to shut so we were like yes god thank you for shutting this door we know that this is not what you have for us now or even this location so then we ended up going to the assemblies of god that was like right in our town and connected with the pastor there and the church was called focus church and his name was Pastor Ryan. And we just told him our heart and asked if he would be willing to basically let us shadow him and become. Right. Just kind of learn and grow. Yeah. Yeah. Learn and grow. And um, and it was a very hopping, happening, energetic, fun, fun place to be. So we were very delighted that he said yes. And his vision for things were just contagious. And he just had a heart for the loss. So with going there, he gave us a lot of test to see if we would you know so we um basically started at where we were cleaning the church and we kept that job for a bit and then we ended up helping in the nursery and then from there we did just it was kind of like we were just learning steps yeah yeah these different learning different things and and learning that with some you know, with church, there's strategy. What is the main focus? And so the main focus is to reach the lost. And sure. so with that, you have the first impressions on walking into the church. Oh, like, sure. Yeah, that area for sure. Yeah. 
So we just, he walked with us and taught us so much. And in fact, allowed us to be a part of those teams so we could see it done and get a sense and just helped us. And is that the church where you ended up being campus pastors? Yep. Yep. Oh, nice. So after some time, probably about, I'd say eight months. Yeah. He had us meet in his office, which we were like, are we getting fired? Right, sure, sure, sure. The classic, yeah, 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 for You're sure. You're like, oh, no, we're going to the principals. But uh, A lot of associates, like, feel your pain on that part. They're like, uh-oh, you know. And I'm like, well, if he fires us, like, it's not like we get paid, so what can we do? But anyway, sure. but he's like, oh, I have some good news. I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, well, I think you're supposed to go to this campus and pretty much take it over there and, and you know, we work together and – and we want to reach the loss in that area. And it would be like a campus church. So awesome. um, we didn't preach. It was kind sure. of a different model, but we did a lot of the same things where we created teams and were very intentional on impressions. Nice. And then after that, uh, you transitioned towns again, correct? And where are you working at now? Currently, we are we moved out of state, which is a huge deal because I've lived in Wisconsin all my life. Basically, back in January, um, our lead pastor said, we need to meet. And I was like, again, it was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're getting fired. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, well, I just want to let you know that people have been asking about you guys. And when they first approached me, I said, they're not ready yet. They're not ready yet. But I believe you guys are ready now. Ready? I thought yeah. we were going to be campus pastor, you know, like right, I didn't right, know, right. I didn't know for sure, but I was willing to go wherever God opened the door for us. And um and he's like, How do you feel about leading the church? There's a church that's actually way up north, but they're they're wanting Bruce to be the senior pastor. And but I will say, honestly, I believe Rebecca, you are to be the lead pastor. And and I looked at Bruce and Bruce looked at me and, and he's like, how do you feel about that? And I said, how do you feel about that? <laughs> how do you feel about that, Bruce? And he's like, I totally agree. Because, nice. yeah. So with that, we prayed about putting in our resume, but then we would have to let them know that, hey, look, it's a co-ministry, but it's also, sure, sure. Here's, here's the deal. I'm the lead and Bruce is the associate, you know. Right. Just, That's you know, pretty cool. Yeah. But they didn't take me. So, and I put my resume in a couple other places, thinking that we got to be in Wisconsin because, you know, family and, then, and history and all those yeah. things. Yeah. And so, after a month or two of just pestering constantly the superintendent, <laughs> God spoke to me about like it was just in my head like, if I would be willing to uproot our family and move six hours up north, sure. What, what's the difference? Sure. For our family, moving was a big deal because we have right. three that are on the spectrum of autism. So mm. routine, everything is right. like, so I I said, like, what is the difference? Where Wherever we move, and that's when it hit me, we'll go anywhere, God, sure. anywhere you want us to go. But there's only one thing that I ask, take care of my kids. Sure. You know what they need, and we've been in, in situations where because of where we lived, they didn't have the resources. Right, right. We want to have the resources for our kids to to make progress and keep excelling and growing, sure. and we don't want them to lack. And so my sure. thought was, wherever we go, it's got to be at least equivalent or a step up. 
So sure, sure, sure. And the ability to yeah, take care of your family. So where did you end up then? So then we just kind of put the fleece out, you know, all different. Like I was kind of like obsessed with <laughs> right, yeah, just, uh, just looking all over out, the yep. place. And where we ended up com- coming was to Nebraska. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. And tell us about the town you pastor in Nebraska. Um, we pastor at a, a town called Mitchell. It's about population a little over a thousand. Nice. So very small. Yeah. Um, but we're about 10 minutes away from Scott's Bluff. Oh, cool. Is about 15,000 or right. maybe not as much, maybe 10 to 15,000. Sure. But it's the big city for you, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> the nice thing about it is because I've been to a town that that was kind of the idea, like the same size as Scott's Bluff, but they didn't really have much. Scott's sure. Bluff has everything. Nice. Like, so, in fact, we were offered. Well, we weren't offered, but we were asked to consider a position in Texas. Oh, and, wow. Um, one of my questions was, how far away is it from Walmart? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 for sure, for and, sure. And they were like, well, it's a good couple of hours. And and I was like, oh. But then I also did the research on the resources. And, yeah, I was like, no, I, I just know that can't work. So. Sure. Yeah, we love Mitchell. We came here and um, March to check it out. And just the people were so friendly. Just we're not used to people waving and striking up conversation. And and we were just so impressed with people's kindness. And then walking around town, we got to actually know some of the locals and just, again, very friendly people. But what really set the the church kind of a blaze for us was the fact that it was right on top of a school oh, wow. and in that town. They have nothing like after school stuff. They have no like dance or karate or anything that could right. help the kids do something other than when they're bored, you know, get involved. Sure. In do what thing. kids do. Yeah. And I just saw a lot of kids just wandering around and I'm like, this place needs something. And sure. this church is so big and it has so much potential and sure. i just saw like an after school program and an after school fun place for kids to go and i just want the idea of school or church is a fun place to be right like, right right just get excited and so i have this vision for an arcade room and oh sure yeah all sorts of things so yeah all sorts of things no that's great and honestly like uh, what a journey and like what it, what it reflects about you guys' own growth and your own journey and your own passions kind of showing up in the places you minister. Um, so I do want to ask, you know, like I said, this first half of this podcast, I know that when we spoke over the phone, there was just a couple of really practical things that I enjoyed hearing about that were, uh, you know, teachings you either uh, experienced or got to take part of. And so I want to dive into your time as campus pastors. Obviously, you said um, you know, your church was, was yeah, very energetic about reaching the lost and doing these things. And you mentioned this idea um, behind the vision, because the vision for the church, I don't think struck me as, as necessarily revolutionary. I mean, maybe you'd mentioned like, love God, love people or something like that. Very, I can't remember if that was what you'd said. What was the vision of that church again? Oh, the vision is not necessarily our slogan. Our slogan sure, is sure. love God, love people, take action. Right. And it was that third part. 
It's yeah. that third part that I really, I, I know you dove into it. And so maybe give us a brief snapshot, just because I know that rural pastors are always looking for new ideas, new approaches. Yeah. But what was that take action step for that church? And and what did it produce in the community? Well, even on coming here in March, I, I did notice I was like, wow, there's a lot of churches here. That's also, that's really cool. But it also, right. could be, you know, it also could be like, hmm. And when we got here, actually, when we came to live here and knew that 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 was going to be where we're at um my first week upon coming here i got a stack of like so because we didn't have a pastor that was they were doing something completely different they were having a bible study not even in in the church so when i got there there was this notice from the city where we were being fined because the church owned a prop piece of property and it was just looking like terrible. It was an eyesore sure. and, and everyone w- would drive into it. So, because it's like on the main street Oh, sure. and like, I saw that and I was like, Oh no, we're going to have to do something about this because sure. if we want to make a difference in our community, we cannot have these fines and stuff. So like our first Sunday of preaching, we had a small little chat, but I said, we're going to, we're going to do something a little bit different. <laughs> We're yeah. going to actually have some church and do some work. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So I said, our passion should be the community and the community is already sending us basically hate mail, if you will. Oh, sure. Yeah. In a sense. And yeah. This is not a good way to start things. So let's sure. do something. And so that whole idea of do something. Right. Um, kind of just resonated with me. And because we are called to love God and it's the, you know, the greatest commandment is love God and love people. But sometimes we just get stuck on that and we have to think about that there's action involved. Like Jesus was involved with a lot of action and, and we need to likewise hear from God, be obedient and shorten the distance in between. Sure. So that's the whole, the whole thing for me. And I, and I love that piece because I think that sometimes we get caught up in these grandiose visions of, you know, I, I need to have the perfect plan and the perfect approach. And really it's not so much hey, are we perfect or are we crazy, you know, big in our scope? It's more of just like, hey, there's a piece of mail on my desk that says that as a community, like we haven't paid our fines. We need to take a step, you know, take that action to take care of that. And once we take care of that, let's let's take a step and do the next thing. And I think sometimes that can help rural pastors get out of a rut or or to introduce themselves to community well is to say, hey, let's just do something about yeah. these small things around us, you know? Yeah, and I even preached a little bit on that, like just like how GPSs work, they don't tend to start or work until you're actually moving. And sure. so if you're just stuck and waiting for God to just lay on you, what's going to happen, right, the plan and the path. Yeah. You got to get moving. First, you got to you know? actually start moving and then it's a step of faith too. So no, I love that. All right. So I do want to dive into uh, for our next question here, just this conversation about scalability. You mentioned that while you were an associate pastor, you had the chance to go to these conferences and there might be some pastors tuning in who know what that term means, but I know it was a new one for me. And so maybe a uh, breakdown, Hey, what is it? What does that term scalability mean? And and what does it mean for rural ministry as we, you know, kind of applied as a leadership principle? For me, I, I first learned scalability when I went to that conference and they said, these ideas that we have here, we love helping churches. Oh, sure. So don't get bogged down with the idea that we're a mega church and you can take what we have and make it practical for your church size or your organization. Oh, sure. So 
for me, that was just big. Like what they do exceptionally well, how can this work for our church? How can this work for our culture? And and it's also about thinking ahead too. So it's not necessarily just focusing on what you got, but then the question to consider is next week, if God doubles our church, are we going to be prepared? Because being prepared is important. Yeah. And honestly, I love that comment because I think as rural church pastors, you know, there's there's a temptation, like there's this middle ground that we got to hit because we might make the mistake of ignoring mega church and saying, well, there's nothing I can learn there. These are big churches doing big things and I'm a small church in a small place. And that would be, in my opinion, in our opinion, kind of a crime to say, hey, you know, we can't learn anything from that. But on the flip side, we can't idolize uh, to such a degree, what a large church is doing that we try and reproduce it 100%. Right. And one of the things I think we have done as rural pastors and hopefully continue to do well over our whole lives is to look at something and say, okay, I don't have a 40 person greeting team that's, you know, hitting all my six parking lots, but uh, do I have some friendly people? And like, how do I, how do I do that same sense of hospitality in my own church? And so um, again, a bit of practical wisdom, but I really, I really liked you uh, floating that out there because obviously it's, it's a huge, you know, huge part of our daily, uh, you know, kind of career as, as rural pastors is to say, what can I take and adapt in the context in a way that makes sense? Well, uh, I do want to switch gears a little bit. So I'm excited for the second half of this conversation um, because uh, your life and your story um, and you mentioned it briefly earlier that you have three kids who are on the spectrum for uh, autism and um, and and people with special needs. You know, you mentioned to me over the phone, it's just kind of a huge passion and heart of yours. And I know that for me as a pastor, I always feel like a fish out of water when trying to wade into those conversations. And so um, the first thing I want to ask is, is where does this passion for this group of people come from? Uh, from your own life? Like what what got you? I mean, obviously, you know, maybe there's some obvious answers like your kids, but maybe tell us about that. Yeah. You know, I've never really thought about that question until you asked me. Um, Those are the best kind of questions. <laughs> so it's like, I just don't know for sure where it kind of came from. You know, I was labeled as someone who wouldn't achieve things and oh, sure. asked, you know, told that it was going to be impossible for me to do things. And so just having kind of like empathy, I guess, for, you know, what helped me get through as a kid was the fact that I went through a traumatic experience that made me turn off. And then, you know, God healed me and brought me out. But still, because of that, it caused delays. And I needed that extra time and they didn't have something at that school where I was from called special ed. So God blessed our family by allowing us to go to a private school and private school meant we had smaller classes and more one-on-one time. And so because of that one-on-one time, I was able to learn to read which was something I struggled with so much. And then when someone tells me I can't do something, it's just like the competitiveness in me that's like, oh yeah, I'm going to prove, you know, like I'm going to prove you wrong. And and it's going to be, you know, like it's going to be God's glory because even at a young age, knowing God healed me, it was just like, I got to do something with this. So maybe at that young age, I would say, I just, just when I would see people that had challenges or disabilities, my heart went for them and I liked them and I I hung out with them and I played with them and just wanted to be involved and connect with them. And so, yeah. And then obviously, I mean, your journey of motherhood, uh, I mean, that's huge, you know, 
Yeah. And then being a mom, it was still definitely not something that, you know, you plan to have. And, sure, sure. And when you find out about it, your heart breaks and you're just like, no, no. And right. I even wrestled with that, like, God, please heal them. Yeah. Heal them. I want to work for you. And I even made agreements with God, like, if you heal them, I could do so much, you know, I can do so much more. Sure, and, yeah. But God knows the beginning and the end and I just hang on to it's not yet and just continuing to to pray I would say definitely my passion for special needs hit when I became a mom it was just something as I was getting the diagnosis I knew that this is it's very heart-wrenching and I'm I'm so thankful that I have a relationship with you sure. guys because I don't know how I would be able to cope sure. I don't know how I'd be able to do this and he said, but there are those who do life without me. And it was almost like it was like, and that's where you come in. So sure, it was just sure. like, wow. I just, I do know that it's my destiny, my destiny and my um, purpose is to help those not only with special needs, but the caregivers and those sure. who are affected. So um, yeah. and we've also had issues in our life and in our walk where you know, places have let us down and sure. we've actually had Jasmine kicked out of church. Which I'm assuming is, yeah, one of your daughter's names, Jasmine, yeah. Yep. And she was, you know, doing some behaviors that were odd and she just, not only odd, but she had pretty big sensory and explosive, like, like frustration and. Sure. And um, so having her kicked out of church really hurt us and made us feel like this doesn't make any sense. Like our first in thought was, should we continue going here? And then Bruce yeah. and I decided we can't leave on, we can't, we can't close the door this way. And so we juggled taking turns, going to church and it was hard and, and paying for someone to help us watch Jazzy so we can be in church and, you know, for years paying for, for help. Um, but yeah. after, after some time, um, Jazzy was able to come back to church, but it was where she had to be in a room and we hired a, a therapist because our goal is honestly to have all of our family be in church. That's where I want to yeah. live. So, Right, exactly. Yeah, going <laughs> so, back to kind of your story. Well, that's huge. And I and I really think, too, um, when I think of other pastors, you know, I know that when we talked over the phone, I would definitely probably fall in that category of pastor who... Uh, you know, being in a rural place, and, and I have encountered, you know, I've been in youth ministry nine years, and we've seen uh, several, you know, kids at different levels or different, I guess, areas or, or you know, parts of the spectrum. And, and so you're trying to deal with their different, uh, you know, special needs and all these different things. But I know that for me, I've always felt unequipped. And I and I definitely have felt like I like almost like I checked a box. I'm like, well, do they, do they seem like they're having fun and they love the Lord? Well, cool, then that's all I need to do. And I know that there's so much more that God has for, for individuals than that. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe walk us through that. If a pastor wanted to feel better equipped, you know, to, to meet, you know, kind of the challenges of, of kids and adults with special needs, what are just some of those things that, that you would throw out there? Well, if a pastor wants to be a church that basically is prepared and is accepting of people that have disabilities. Yeah. There's resources out there like Special Touch Ministry. They will actually they have criteria on what you can do to be oh, wow. yeah, to be approved of like okay, you're a level this type of church. So what that oh, means sure. is you have bathroom accessible, like handicap accessible 
or do you have so there's a there's definitely i would say check out special touch ministries and okay and we'll include that in the show notes of this episode for sure yeah they definitely have a website that you can get more information another thing that to ponder or to do is just if if someone comes in just say hey i care about you and just being honest just saying you know we don't have but we want to grow. This is an area where we want to sure. learn and just being honest and also empathetic is, is a huge thing. So I think you'd find a lot of great tools and information with the special touch ministries. That's where I got a lot of insights and ideas. Yeah. And honestly, I love even, even just being willing to listen. You know, uh, I know that when we've talked to other people about other demographics, whether it's a you know, uh, I mean, any subgroup, you know, what's what's the tried and true method is just to ask those who are living it and say, hey, how can we serve you better? And just reassuring them that they matter because, you know, just like anyone, they, they have the struggles. Just getting through the door as a visitor, the enemy right. has so much at work on yeah. stopping them. So how can we help? You matter. Yeah. And, uh, and so... You know, next question I want to ask is what are some of these guiding values? You know, I know when we talked like, like, and maybe the question is why does it matter? But I know you talked a lot about, uh, you know, empathy. You even threw out some statistics of, you know, how much of this population it affects when we were talking on the phone. Um, and you mentioned kind of these concentric circles of people that are affected by those with special needs, whether it's caregivers or families or whatever. And so um, maybe dive into that, like, you know, give us a bit of a context to this conversation or or what is it that you you really value, you know, in it, you know? Well, with with the pain of um, Jasmine, my um, middle child, who's severely autistic, nonverbal, a flight risk, she sure. eats odd things. Sure. With her being kicked out of church, it was a very painful experience. And again, it was that time that God said, I even said, God, I don't know how people do life. I don't know how they do this without you. Right. And it was in that experience that he said, well, they do. And so it gave me a heart to think, I want there to be a special needs church service, uh, a place where, yeah. you know, everyone can feel like they belong. Yeah. And elaborate for us that, what what would that look like for you? Like if, if, well, if, cause that's, cause I remember you telling me that and I was like, man, what a, what a powerful and what a lofty vision of just saying like, Hey, not just saying uh, we've done enough to get you here, but, but like we are asking, focusing and intentional. Yeah. So who would that minister to? What what, yeah. what would that produce? You know, let's look would, at that. It would be so great because the people that are, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum, you can be the nicest person. If the person just doesn't feel comfortable with coming because of sure. their situation, they're not going to come. And so if there was a place that was, it wouldn't be on a typical Sunday, sure. but it would be perhaps on a Saturday. Sure. And would be starting off slow. So maybe one Saturday a month. Nice. And it would be not a long service, maybe 10 to 11. Sure. And then when everybody comes in and it's, you know, the place is just kind of open. So there's, a, you know, less chairs. So people that need to like pace back and forth, they can. Sure. Less things in the room for causing stimuli. Sure. And make sure when people do come in that they sign a release, you know, because. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of um, things there. Yep. And they don't just come in and drop off. They come right. in with, because you know, your, your care, you know, your person best. 
we're sure, here sure. because we want to offer them church, but we don't know specifically how to deal with, say, GTube issue or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. So just making and obviously sure every person's unique. I mean, there's a ton of needs that yeah. are represented. Yeah. And so when they come in, then have a bucket. I really have thought a lot about this. No, I love this. I love this. Have like a big bucket. So like if if the people want to be involved in worship, they can grab something out, you know, like a shaker. And then um, just being very intentional on for because there's physical disability, there's cognitive disability. I think there's so many different levels. I'm learning so much. But um, then have the message be basically a one point message, Uh, visual. So like you can have visual. um, So right. And then repetitive on what that main point is and involvement and, and then prayer and they love to worship. And I don't know about you, but if you've seen, I've been a camp counselor for a few years at a, special touch ministries actually and watching them worship is just it's emotional to watch so in a good way so yeah, um, yeah exactly yeah and also just yeah i would say the curriculum or the the message taught is just one point and just letting them know that they're loved and you represent christ's love yeah absolutely well i uh i love your thoughts on this topic you know again i think that uh, there's a lot of issues in the rural church that feel just out of reach. And there's enough of them that sometimes things don't get addressed that should get addressed. And I think one of those is is dealing with people with special needs. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you might just have one family in your community or in your community of faith that that is affected by this conversation. And yet, you know, they are made in the image of God and, and not just right. the, the individual, but the caretakers. I mean, I know you talked a lot about those concentric circles of ministry where if you reach the individual, you care for them, then you're caring for their family, you're caring for their caretakers and their support system right. and ministry multiplies. And uh, and right. even diving into that that hypothetical service, you know, uh, just about making space, about about changing the model to say, let's meet you where you're at because 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 you're worth it and the gospel's worth it. And so yeah. um, this has been a delightful take, uh, you know, with your permission. I mean, if anyone ever reached out to me about this, I'd love to point them your way in this conversation, you know, if they ever had questions. But um, but anyways, um, for today, I just want to say thanks, Rebecca, for jumping on here. I really enjoyed our talk, you know. Uh, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, too. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to be here and share my heart. Absolutely. Well, from us at Rural Advancement, I want you to know that uh, from this conversation today, if you ever reach out to us, we could put you in touch with those who can help. And we'll have some links in the show notes to Special Touch Ministries. And uh, you can definitely dive into that resource. Uh, but again, it is our goal every single week to bring you content that is spoken by the Rural Church and uh, to the Rural Church. And so we hope that you've been encouraged and empowered and and challenged to uh, look into this awesome area. I've been your host, Joe Epley. She has been Pastor Rebecca Burford, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.